It's Mailbag Friday. Dan Richo and Satyar Sean, Canuck Central. Uh, each and every week, we close out a week's worth of shows with your questions in Mailbag Friday. And uh, as always, we appreciate all of the questions we get. We'll try to get to as many as we can. Normally, uh, Sat will put out a uh, tweet on Friday morning prompting you for questions for the mailbag. And, uh, well, it seems like every week we get more and more and more. And they're all great questions. We do appreciate it. So uh, thank you for your participation. Subscribe to the podcast, review it, and uh, it goes a long way to growing uh, the mailbag. Uh, and even getting more going on with Canucks Central as we hope to continue growing the show. So uh, the mailbag means we got to get the great elevator music going, Sat. There it is. I don't know what's better, the questions or the music bet. I mean, I really look forward to the music every week. I know. (laughs) I should have poured myself a glass of scotch or something. (laughs) Maybe a boardwalk brew? Ooh, yes. It is Friday after all. Mm-hmm. Uh, might, might come after 7 o'clock for me. Um, but. Coward. <laughs> Let's get into the mailbag. Bursting with questions. Start with uh, Abby. Getting right into it with the trades. Do we see any significant trades before the deadline? I'm starting to doubt it. That's Abby's take. Uh, Do we doubt the idea of significant trades ahead of the deadline, Sat? Significant trade. I'll still say we see a significant trade. Now, a a significant trade I don't think necessarily means a a massive core player on the team. But we could still see a sizable deal. So, and especially considering how hard it is going to be for this team to stay in the race until the March 21st trade deadline, if I had to wager a guess, I'd still say we'd see a sizable deal, but I'm still uncertain we're going to see a number of those sizable deals at the deadline. If they don't get Tyler Mott signed to a deal, I think they trade him. Yeah. Um, Beyond that, you know what? I still think there is a significant trade. One player with control, one significant player with control does get moved before the deadline. Ooh, I like it. Spicy. Let's go. I don't know, I don't know which one. I, yeah. I really did think it was going to be JT Miller, and I'd still say I'm leaning to Miller being more probable than others because right now... Miller's the only one I can see a team saying we have to have that guy and maybe they make an offer that does does make you think at the very least. You know, like Miller's the he's a top 10 scorer in the league, plays in every situation, is a grump, as Justin Bourne just said in the last hour. And, and one that I think, you know, in, in a good way that teams would like to have going into the playoff season. So... If there's any player I can see uh, making the Canucks think about making that move ahead of the deadline, it, it would be JT Miller more than others. We'll see. I don't know. Mm. I think it'd be hard to move JT. I think so too. But 
It's also the one I can see a lot of teams really wanting to to try and acquire him. But um, we'll see where it goes. Let's uh, move it along. Uh, if the Canucks get on a win streak and are within a couple of points at the deadline, do you expect the Canucks to make moves at the trade deadline? We kind of just talked about this. So I probably should have yeah, I mean, uh, screened the question a little bit better. We, we can we can answer it really quickly. I mean, again, they're also as much as I'm sitting here and saying you know you know it's unlikely they make a number of different trades. They're also in a position where they're not gonna say no to something they think is gonna help them in the future, like significantly. Yeah. So it really comes down to what they're what they get offered, right? And like you mentioned, even if they're within two points, but it becomes clear they can't keep Mott or won't keep Mott, they can still move him. I think that's the prudent thing to do, too. You know, like uh, if you can get something for a player that's not going to be here beyond this year and your playoff chances are still very much up in the air, you've got to make that 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 decision. You know, if the Predators have done it with will or will do it with Philip Forsberg. We've seen other teams do it in the past. It's not always the easiest decision to make, but it's probably the more prudent one. Um Let's go to Dagger 1977. What does a Miller extension look like? I've said in the past, there's no way Miller uh, comes in lower than Elias Pettersson, especially uh, with the way Pettersson was playing earlier this year. I still think Miller does come in probably around seven and a half on a long-term extension. Yeah. Um... If he stays in Vancouver, I think the number would have to kind of be below eight. I think it'd be like 7.75. I could see that. I could see them being like, hey, listen, uh, Quinn's the number, 7.85. That's the number we've kind of set as the highest. We don't really want to go to eight unless it's him or PD potentially or whatever. I can see them being like 7.75. So I'd say if he stays in Vancouver, it'd be between 7.5 to 7.75. Uh, Ryan on uh, on Twitter, Ryan Hank, can we just agree that a Stanley Cup build is more important than fanning on our favorite players? Just win, stop playing favorites. I, I don't think um, it's about fanning on your favorite player. It's about understanding how difficult it would be to replace trading away one of these core players. And even just think about our conversation with Justin Bourne last hour. Maybe it's it's not a significant trade for a player for prospects or strictly futures. Maybe there is a hockey deal to be made out there, Sat, that works in the long run for the Vancouver Canucks, that balances this team a little bit better gets them a piece that fits a little bit more of what they want to be in the future. I, I don't, I know we've talked about that a lot, but I, I don't think we can necessarily rule that out. Well, I think that's a very real possibility here that they, if they're moving a guy out, it's a bit of a hockey deal. And I kind of, you know, spitballed and said, Hey, and again, that's not a report or anything just, you know, as far as just spitballing, if you could you do like a Besser for line a deal if if Columbus isn't sure and he's been on a heater recently right but whatever right like do you get a guy like that for instance right I know Fiala's been talked about a lot is that a guy you get back that kind of fits better because 
as much as you want draft picks, you want prospects, like you mentioned, the convo we had with Justin Bourne, you're not quite sure what that's going to become unless it's somebody who's a real can't-miss, bonafide, you know, surefire type of prospect or young player who's showing it already, right? Those are the guys you feel good betting on. The rest... You don't know what's, what that's going to turn out to be, right? And as much as that gives you flexibility, what are you paying later to replace it with? Like, for instance, if you're if if your goal is to trade JT Miller and get all these draft picks and cap space and go out and sign Philip Forsberg as a free agent, okay, I, I can see that. Even if you're paying him $9 million, he's a bit younger or whatever. But if you don't, what type of player are you getting that's going to become a JT Miller in one or two years? Because that draft pick and that prospect who's two years away – that ain't no guarantee. No. Never is, especially the draft pick. If it's in the 20s of the first round, I mean, all you have to do is look at the uh, rate at which those players hit to a impact player level. It's uh, it's rare. You know, when the Canucks hit on Brock Besser, it's, uh, it's a rare hit for a player that good at the end of the first round. Of course, it happens, but it doesn't happen as often as you think it does. Um, all right. Let's go to Corbin Tuck with this question for the mailbag. Are they looking or are we looking at a extension for Bruce? There it is. The chant uh, that could be heard across the lower mainland last night with the amount of goals the Canucks were scoring at Rogers Arena. Uh, Bruce Boudreaux has an option at the end of the year for the Canucks to potentially pick up, but um, no long-term security for Bruce Boudreaux, who's won 17 of his first 28 games as head coach of the Vancouver Canucks. No, there isn't. I mean, it's, you know, next year is really not guaranteed for him either. I believe it should be a priority to get your coach figured out. And I'm on board, especially with our combos this entire week, right? We talked about habits. We've talked about what are the lessons you've learned from the Calgary situation with Daryl Sutter, who came in mid-season, right? And how when he came in, they did improve. They were better, but ultimately not enough to make the playoffs. But what he started instilling then carried over and it had a training camp. They made some additions and look at the team now. And hey, maybe the Canucks don't make the same type of leap Calgary did next season. But there's a lesson there about the continuity and keeping that moving forward. And as much as we're talking about having a long-term coach here, you know, with a core that's still relatively young overall, NHL coach lifespans are like three to five years anyways. Boudreaux has three to five years in him here, right? So it's like, he's the guy, he's shown it. Just continue on. You need stability. You have a competent front office. He's a competent head coach. It's not easy finding those guys. Don't go chasing the next young head coach who hasn't done it yet. You have a good thing. Sign him to a couple-year extension. Let's get this thing moving forward, and let's make sure that we have some continuity with this organization. Uh, let's keep it going. I mean, I think, yeah. Sign Bruce Boudreaux, you know. <laughs> yes. Just just honestly. Short answer, sign him. For, for, for the quotes, okay? <laughs> for the content. Man told us he's sleeping in his black skate jersey last night. I think that's, that's all the proof you need to keep Boudreaux around. Uh, all right. Josephine coming in with this question. Uh, with Petey scoring a shorthanded goal last night, do you think Boudreaux should use him more on the penalty kill? I think he should be a staple on the second PK unit. 
How do we uh, how do we feel about Petey on the PK more regularly? I, I think what the coach is comfortable with right now is using Petey on the fly in yes. uh, in certain situations. But uh, if it's starting with a faceoff, you can bet JT Miller or Bo Horvat are out there probably taking the draw. I think you, you you nailed it pretty much. Situationally is how he should get used. And I like him being, you know, because you, you have two units that are your PK units. But oftentimes or sometimes a player, a member of that PK unit is the one that takes a penalty. So somebody else has to step in. I like to have him as the next guy up. You know what I mean? I think he it'd be good for him to be in that type of role and then get used situationally. There's a lot of risk on the PK. You don't want a guy to, you know, play too much and you still want to be able to, you know, watch their minutes and use them smart or use them as wisely as possible for the for the long term. So I don't want to use them too much on the PK, but like you mentioned, situationally, being the next man up that comes up, I'm all for it. Andy Fontana coming in. What's the fascination with the downhill skate plate of spaghetti? We were all happy to get rid of it. <laughs> you know, um, I got to say, I got I to read this text from Terry and Mission, who sent this in a couple times. Ooh. The only reason people of that era hate the skate logo was due to the fact that up until 94, the record in those jerseys was not that great and often synonymous to a diving, skate, crashing, and burning. A train wreck <laughs> after those hideous tricolor V1s. Personally, IMO, the retweet classic stick in arena is one of my most my favorites one of the most simple yet brilliant logos in all the sport and has stood the test of time and for that reason is my choice for permanent jersey the skate logo is rewriting history and also needs to be viewed through a new and improved lens that is terry who texted it in so a bit of romanticizing that is happening with that jersey and i do wonder if you see it every day whether you kind of like start picking at the yellow a little bit you're like yeah i don't know about that i'm not quite sure about the logo really like i'm with you to some degree about oversaturating that logo but mm-hmm. I, I i like it i want to see it more than once or twice a year but i'm fine with not making it your full-time jersey i just i i took a lot of heat last night and i know people love the skate jersey i love it too okay but i, I love it to a point I think I think if it was the every night jersey, you would all love it a little bit less eventually, mm-hmm. and you'd fall out of love with it and be like, "Okay, we're kind of done." Was that jersey back in the mid to late nineties as popular back then as it is now? I don't feel like it was. No, it wasn't. Was it? <laughs> I never felt right? like the community thought, "Man, the Canucks have the best jersey in the league." Nope, nobody thought that. No. <laughs> Good. Nice colors. Yeah. Not the best in the league. That's uh, Fast Eddie producing this fine program. And you're right. Like, I, Look, now we look back on it. We have uh, fond memories of, of Pavel Bure streaking through or cherry picking at the red line and taking in a, a great breakaway goal, <laughs> whatever it may have been, you know. Um, but... I think it's one of those things where you could wear it out pretty quickly. Um, 
the, the one thing that had me like kind of changing my mind is just how much the players loved wearing it. Like, I mean, that's the thing. Look I mean, good, play a, good, uh, right? Like, I know that is a, I, sure. like Yannick, Yannick Hansen's the the simplest guy around. Okay, he's like not not having any of that. But well, uh, I, know, I'm Yannick, definitely look good, play good guy. Yannick is very much like the stoic Scandinavian. You know, very Spartan. <laughs> I don't need much. I'm going to show up. I don't care what I got. Give me a stick. Give me skates. You know, give me equipment. We'll go out there and play, man. Let's not overthink this. I mean, that's Yannick, right? Yeah. But yeah, other people are a bit more uh, vain. I would say to some degree. I mean, I, I would know because I'm one of those people myself, right? But generally speaking, I'd say um, it does have some sort of an impact. But I mean, the skate jersey ain't going to make you a better team. You know what I mean? Like, it ain't Mighty Ducks. All of a sudden, you get better jerseys, and you feel like you're a better team. Like, it's, it's not it's not quite that. You know what I mean? Like, it's it's still, at the end of the day, it comes down to what you are as a team, right? I mean, we've seen the Preds make a deep run, and those jerseys were, like, hideous for a while. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, those Preds. I bet you nobody likes to play in yellow like that. I mean, unless it's Lakers yellow, and it has purple, and it has some class to it or whatever. Like, yeah. no one wants to play in mustard yellow. What year Let's did Canada wear those mustard colored ugly things 2004 world cup was it the 2004 Oof. world cup that long ago yes. hey wow wow on it, to a though. team from the 1920s yep <laughs> canada didn't win the 2004 world cup right or did they yeah they did they beat oh, finland yeah. they did no it was the uh it was the previous i'm thinking world uh, cup, tony US amanti in uh, 96 or whatever yeah, with Mike Richter in goal. <laughs> they beat Canada in 96. I remember that. Oh, uh, man. Foul on me. Tony Amonte. Oh. <laughs> and Brett Hall, the Canadian, playing on the U.S. Yes. Yes. What a traitor. <laughs> hey, you're a phony. Um, all right. Let's get to some non, non-sports questions. Uh. Jay Wu uh, on Twitter. Rate these chips. Doritos, Sun Chips, Miss Vicky's, Lay's, Cheetos. So he's going for like brand of chip, not even like flavor. He's just throwing out what brand you're going with. Doritos, Sun Chips, Miss Vicky's, Lay's, Cheetos. All right. People might hate on me for this. But, like, if you're over 10 years old, stop eating Cheetos, okay? Cheetos are definitely last on the list. Last? I don't know. It depends, it depends on your state. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> okay. But I, I'd say number one on my list will be Miss Vicky's Sun Chips number two. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Sun Chips number two? Yeah, man. Sun Chips are great. Nah. Okay, Cheetos four, Sun Ch- or Cheetos five, Sun Chips four, Lay's three, Doritos two, Miss Vicky's one. No, I got Sun the Chips list. two, Doritos three, Lay's coming to four. I mean, I'm not, I'm not the biggest fan of Lay's chips. Like, I don't have any Lay's chips at home. Really? I, I really got a like nice little setup. Yeah. I really like uh, lightly salted Lay's. Problem that that list has the wrong list or has the wrong cheesy in it. If you're gonna oh, really? go cheesy, you got to go Hawkins. Ooh. Right, you got to go See? Canadian. Mm. Exactly. The Hawkins Eddie knows cheesies. what's up. Eddie knows what's up. They should bring those into Stranger Things or something, you know? Yes. That was a bad bad reference. Anyways. Uh, all right. Sat's got bad chip taste. What can I say? 
No, man. You got you got very simple. You always sit here and talk about how pe- how people like simple Italian food, but don't know real Italian food. Like you're all about like the the banner traditional chips like Lay's, Doritos, and all that sort of stuff, man. I gotta show you a new, different world of of chips and snacks, my friend. <laughs> I mean, uh, there there is a hard bite flavor that I really like: roasted garlic and paprika. It's fantastic. Very good. I'm saying, man, the hard bites are great. Um, all right, basketball, Phil. Are there any better songs than Toto's Africa? <laughs> uh, I mean. Uh, I know, uh, I know. Basketball Phil sent that, and and Mike Versace is, is loves that song, and that's why he's referencing it. And also, uh, our guy uh, Mark Schofield loves that song as well. So I know the people that love that song are like complete truthers to it. I I enjoy it, but yeah, it's it's not not for me. We're not uh, Toto's Africa kind of guys. No, we not. We can't. I'm playing it off my laptop here. Yeah, you may want to you may want to shut that down. down. There we go. <laughs> uh, I'm not going to say it's I, the greatest the, song lo- of all time. I, I love this text that came in. Give 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 a break now. You're talking chips on a sports broadcast. <laughs> Very- oh, I like the angry <laughs> face angry emoji. <laughs> so angry. Talk about sports. Man, it, if there guy. isn't something that goes with sports better than chips, like I don't know what it is. Like it's pairings, chicken wings, man. beer, beer and chips are like the holy trinity of sports. Like condiments, you know, or compliments, yeah. whatever you want to call it. Com- condiments. No, they're not condiments, man. <laughs> they're no. condiments for your sports watching. <laughs> Yes, you put the condiments on your sports watching. Nice save. It's like, you know, going to the movies and getting a bag of popcorn. You know, it's the same thing. When you're watching uh, when you're watching the game at home, you're probably having a, a soda pop, maybe some chips. Maybe you're dieting and you're you're going with uh, you know, baby carrots and hummus. I don't know. But generally, <laughs> generally, you're going with chips. Usually. Chips and beer. You're good to go. Um, all right. <laughs> Discount Dracula wants to know what running shoes I'm now wearing and how many pairs have I gone through. Um, breaking news. Uh, I'm not running as often as I once was. <laughs> <laughs> breaking so, news. Yeah, when, you drive, when you drive a Mercedes around the seawall, you know, that means you're now running around the seawall. <laughs> Funny how that works. I stopped taking pictures and I uh, stopped uh, stopped running at the same time. So that was your motivation. <laughs> Take- we, start call- we, start- we should start asking for the photos. Where Where is Dan? Why is he now posting photos of his runs? I uh, There's this pair of Adidas running shoes that I really like. They remind me of uh, the old soccer cleats that I used to wear. I used to wear uh, Del Piero Del Piero replicas of uh, his F50s. They were white with uh, the, the the three stripes were blue. He wore them with Italy. So, mm, yeah. Those those are absolutely fire. So, uh they're kind of like the these uh, Adidas running shoes that I wear now. They're uh they're kind of similar just black and white. But that's it. Very basic, very Italian of you. Yeah. 
I'm not, I'm not going like uh, Air Force Ones or anything like that. Uh, like, I don't know. Probably not a good running shoe, no. Air Force Ones, to be honest. No. I'm not, I mean, like a, play, I mean, not a New Balance guy or anything like that. Nothing nothing too fancy. A6. I'm, I'm not that, like, you know, deep of a runner, so I'd no. probably not going to happen that way. <laughs> uh, there, there, uh, there was a text earlier that came in. Uh, I want to close out the show with it. Who brings the best bag lunch to work at Sportsnet 650? Uh, unsigned to close out the mailbag. Always sign your texts or your uh, your mailbag questions. I got to say it's Sat. Yeah, I mean. Sat's got like 17 <laughs> sandwiches he brings to every show. <laughs> I usually bring a couple sandwiches. I got a protein bar. I mean, uh, even I at the game like... last night, you had sandwiches, <laughs> you had protein bars. I'm like, where is Sat getting all of this food from? Always come prepared, man. I- I'm hungry. I- I'm always hungry. So That's just Costco I pit stop yeah. across the street. <laughs> yeah, it's super easy. Just pop in, make sure you get everything you need. No, I, mean, I-, I like to make sure that, you know, I have food. W- when I'm hungry, I get cranky. So I want to make sure I'm not cranky at the workplace. Yeah. You know, I'm in a good mood. I don't like eating during shows, so. Nah, I mean, during the break, like, in radio, we, we learn to, like, eat food really quickly. So, like, a five-minute break, <laughs> I can, like, eat a sandwich. We, don't, a we sandwich. don't chew. Um, <laughs> inhale. <laughs> we just inhale. I live so close to the station that um, I don't really have to bring a bag lunch or anything like that. But Just go home and eat right away? Yeah. It only takes me, like, 15 minutes to get home. <laughs> That's true. Uh, Eddie, if you're bringing a bag lunch, what's the go-to? It's usually just a sandwich. Yeah. Simple. A turkey or a chicken sandwich. Turkey or chicken. I'm a little basic. mayo. Some lettuce. Yeah. A little yeah. mustard mixed in there. Hmm. Zip it up a little. Mustard's underrated. It is. On sandwiches, yeah. They're yeah. good. Mustard goes especially with everything. If, especially if you have like a... Cheese and deli sandwich, a little mustard, it works. Yep. Uh, if you if you make homemade hamburgers, um, rub mustard onto the beef patty after you've made it, makes it that much better. Mm-hmm. Just a little tip for the summer as we get closer to nice weather, barbecue, all that kind of thing. Speaking of mustard, my nephew got me on mustard on scrambled egg sandwiches. <laughs> Mustard on Wait. scrambled eggs? Yes. On a scrambled egg sandwich. Don't knock it till you try it. Okay. Just have Mustard an open mind. Scram- Is this like that uh, stupid thing I saw, like the fad that was going on or whatever challenge, which was like mustard and watermelon? No, like not you- that extreme. Okay. No. Okay. <laughs> Remember that was, like, that was a thing? You were like, you got to try mustard and watermelon. Yeah, that's like, weird. No, I'm good. Mustard and scrambled egg sounds all right. My sister used to have ketchup with her scrambled eggs. I always found that weird. That's not bad. I've done that. Yeah. Sat, you're bad. you're a basic egg guy. Yeah, I'm usually, but I mean, I, that's not absurd. Like, especially if you like, if you if you have like, if you go to like a diner or whatever, or get a breakfast mm-hmm. or whatever, and you get like hash browns, or have a little ketchup with it, and you know sausages, and you have scrambled eggs. Yeah, it works. I'm always everything but the bagel seasoning now. That's what that's what goes on my eggs. Ever tried bagel that? seasoning? Everything bagel seasoning. 
everything bagel seasoning. Yeah. That's what you put on your You get a little garlic and everything in it. Yep. It's great. You should try it. All right. Yeah, it seems like a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like you two smoked your lunch. What? I don't know what oh, that's man. all about. Definitely not. Uh, Mailbag Friday, each and every Friday. Appreciate all the questions that we do get. This is Canuck Central.